Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. This is a creator-owned spotlight. A little bit different. Uh, rather than having the creator of this uh, campaign joining us, it's an anthology called Let Her Be Evil. So I actually have the editor, although she does have a story in the anthology. Uh, but Cass Jones, is, uh, Cass Jones is joining me to tell us all about it. Tell us about uh, getting the, the band together, as it were, to put this anthology together and what some of the rewards are and stuff. So, uh, Cass, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, it's a huge anthology, um, just in time for Halloween, perfectly uh, timed. So why don't you let our listeners know overall what the uh, anthology is about? Sure. Letter Be Evil is a comic anthology featuring 17 short stories of evil women being evil and giving them that narrative space to go after their desires and most horrible ambitions in uh, gritty, gory detail. Yeah, I think so often it's kind of pigeonholed, right? Like if you talk about evil women, you think, oh, well, witch, um, and it kind of ends there. Maybe an evil queen, <laughs> and then it, it, it kind of ends there. When you when you look at the rundown, you go to the Zoop page, which there's a link in the show notes so everybody can check it out. When you go to the Zoop page and, and and look, and there's 17 stories, it's, it's a very diverse amount of stories from a very diverse um, – cast of creators so give us some idea of what your vision was for for putting this together i'm sure you wanted to have a you know a broad kind of diverse set of, of stories coming at it from different angles different genres and same thing with the creators right a, a really broad kind of you know run the gamut there's female creators male creators queer straight all, all that kind of stuff so give us an idea of um kind of what your your pie in the sky when you were conceiving this what were you hoping it would be I think you nailed it on the head. I really wanted a diversity of stories and a diversity of people telling those stories. And I did want it to be a sampler of all different kinds of genres, because that's what's so fun about anthologies is it's the same central running theme, but from a different angle every time. And that's what makes reading them enjoyable and fun. So, yeah, we have horror. We've got sci-fi. Uh, we've got a Western even with moth characters, which is a really fun one. That one's a silent comic. So it takes you to almost surrealism as, as well, I would say. We've got comedic ones. We've got horribly tragic ones. So it should be a fun roller coaster ride when you when you open that anthology. Yeah, and like I was saying, it's so often when you, t- you talk about female characters, they get pigeonholed. We know the whole women in the refrigerator thing. That, that famous essay that Gail Simone wrote was, you know, just using women as a as a plot device. So you know, deciding to do this and saying, okay, these are women. These are characters that are are the focus of the story, and they have agency. But then flipping it and having them be kind of the, the villains or, you know, they might maybe villains, not the right word, because they're probably the protagonists of the particular stories. But, yeah, they're letting their kind of evil flag fly. It just right. I think as a creator and obviously, as we said, you're one, you have a, a, a story here. Is that fun to just, you know, write a character where they can just, you know, say the things they want to say, do the things they want to do? Like, it, it's just kind of freeing, right? You get to just definitely, let it all out. Definitely. Yeah, they rip it. They they sure do. Uh, it. I think that's what drew so many creators of different kinds to it as well, because they just got to have this really fun sandbox to play in. And what's more fun than villains, really? I think everyone loves loves a good villain. And yeah, yeah, I, I think. Um, I'm sorry, I've totally lost my train, my train of thought. I was like no thinking worries. about what everyone was doing and how different everything is. 
and so many different like flavors of a villain and all villains are are the heroes of their own story right so you know from their point of view everything they're doing is perfectly logical and acceptable and fits neatly into the how they see the world but from an outside point of view as you're reading these stories you're like man these these characters are are truly messed up i've had to think a couple times you know is this one too much is it too much like when you have like multiple layers of an outfit on and you're like too much like it's kind of the the same thing and every time i thought you know what no it's just enough yeah that was going to be actually my next question it's kind of interesting that you bring that up uh because as an editor of anthology so so first of all you have the the extra work as opposed to being an editor on something that's just focused on one story you have uh and one creative team you have kind of the extra upfront work of of approaching people and making sure, you know, you get a bunch of creators or, you know, however many stories you want to have, get those teams together and then you kind of let them go and make sure uh, that it fits the theme of, uh, if you have a theme of something central, but then sometimes this may not be the case. Let me know. Um, you have to actually fulfill that role of editor, right? Where uh, the creators are coming to you saying, okay, here's the story. What do you think? Do I need to make changes? Is the pacing? Okay. That sort of thing. So, what was kind of your role? Was it different for each creative team? Was it just, hey, I'm going to put everybody's uh, creative team together. You have the op- uh, you know opportunity to be in this anthology and then you know do what you're going to do. Or was there some feedback or did it depend on uh, the particular story and team? Right. So everyone who submitted to Letter Be Evil, their script was reviewed ahead of time. So I knew what they were doing as far as story goes. So it wasn't so much developmental editing with people to get their their thoughts and track and to have their characters be the kind of characters that we were looking for because they were already there. They already had their conceit. I approved it. It worked. The script was there. We did a pass on the script for some people to just tighten things up a little bit before it went to the artist to make sure that we weren't wasting their time or our time. Um, And then from there, a lot of it was managing editorial of, you know, keeping track of all of the file structure, keeping everyone you know, on on deadline and following up with people on uh, like segmenting out page deadlines and things like that. And also, you know, making sure that the art was staying faithful to the script while at the same time, you know, allowing artists to bring their special sauce uh, to each to each story and enjoying getting to see that Um, same with the colorists and the letterers. I think mostly my role was that sort of leadership position, but I did get, you know, obviously I'm seeing pages every day and being asked questions like, do you like this color? How do we feel about this direction or making my own suggestions as far as, you know what, I think like for the She Is piece by Heather Antos um, and Adrian Bonilla, I said, you know what, this would be really cool if we did it all black, white, and red. What do you guys think? Um, And they agreed and we went in that direction. I'm glad we did. So little creative suggestions that were, you know, thrown out there as far as like, what do you guys think as a team? I think what makes comics so special is that collaborative nature and kind of idea jamming with each other and enjoying that synergy. Uh, So, yeah, I think uh, besides the managing editorial stuff, that kind of commentary um, was sort of my role as well as, you know, grammatical proofreading and and clarifying of, of dialogue. Well, clearly you have a, a passion for it <laughs> on some level. It must be fun. Cause it sounds like a ton of work. 
It uh, was. I it was definitely more work than I was expecting when I came into it. And I was saying to someone the other day, I have I have a master's degree. And I was like, that was harder than my master's degree. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote more and sent more emails and was more stressed out about creating this than I was about receiving that degree. So, yeah, it was tough, but totally worth it. Now, uh, when you approach people to, to submit for this and, and you know, uh, pitch ideas, did creators have uh, an idea of, of an artist already uh, or was that the case with some and then some others you you paired them up with artists kind of go in your, uh, you know, into your contact list and, and find people you thought would be uh, good for it? That's precisely right. So some people submitted as individual creators, other people submitted as teams and a few people who are superheroes, I don't know how they do it. They submitted as like, I am the be all end all. I'm going to do everything. <laughs> right. um, most people are scary and you should be afraid of them because they could probably conquer the world. But uh, yeah, I, I think I paired up most teams. There's maybe one or two teams that came together uh, and submitted together as a unit. But I was making those aesthetic decisions in the beginning of, you know what, this art style is like kind of grimy and like mad magazine feeling. And I I think it would go super well with this like AI story we have that is like gross and a man is eating a burrito for like nine panels. I bet that would be <laughs> great. Like if we dug into that sort of, you know, style in this in this one and then making decisions based off based off who I felt would help highlight and emphasize whatever was going on in the story and so that they could have fun with it. Well, one of my other questions was going to be, uh, you know, if you would do this again, based on how, how, you know, and how hard it actually was, sounds like it was an incredible challenge. So I'm not going to put you on the spot. Kind of one of those things that like, uh, after you have childbirth, right. You're like, never again, never again, but then never again. And then you're like, Oh, well, maybe that's like the endorphins kick in and the kid is super cute. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do want to talk about kind of horror, as a, as a backbone, as, as kind of the, the thread here. Right. So in, in a way, horror is kind of a genre, but it can be in different settings. And you mentioned it's, you've got sci-fi, you've got fantasy, you've got Western, that sort of thing. But when we're telling stories that are scary, right. Or we're telling stories that are suspenseful, whether the antagonist is a female or male or, or what have you, whatever the cast of characters may be, even, even when we go to something like a silent story, there is something about horror. I think that, on its fundamental level is relatable, right? Because we all have fears. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about kind of horror and, and that as this, this palette that allows us to, to tell good stories and to make them relatable? Like what, what is it for you personally as a creator that makes you want to kind of go down that path and use horror as a, a way to express and relate stories? Mm-hmm. I think the consideration of beats and timing is especially interesting for horror and comics. Because if you think about horror in the way that I do, in the way that it's almost like the opposite coin of comedy and comedic beats, comedic timing, playing off your partner, making sure like jokes land when they do, it's very akin to turning the page um, and, and having that break. And that's where comics differentiate from my experience in prose is those sort of considerations, not only visually, but, you know, timing as your eye travels across the page um, to page to page to flipping the page. Those are all things that can really tie in to horror and bring it, you know, out to its fullest. And so thinking about those things 
in the context of Let Her Be Evil was especially challenging and interesting as a storyteller and as an, an editor um, and brought like a new perspective and a new tool almost to my toolbox that I got to to play with and, and learn about. Um, moving forward, I think like it's an excellent pairing and I would love to do more if I could. Yeah, be, that's an g- excellent way to put it because I've never thought of it in that way, but you're, you're 100% right because as a reader with what, you know, my fears that I'm bringing to it or my life experiences. And uh, yeah, it's all about the timing. It's all about the pacing. It's all about the way those story beats land. So is it more challenging to edit something that, that's horror where the timing is a little more intricate and needs to be dead on as opposed to kind of like a classic, you know, superhero thing where, you know, we're kind of more familiar and, and the story beats don't have to be quite so precise? I don't know. I think if you're a good editor, no, it's the same. I, you you want those those beats to still land. You could just like really kind of amp it up and be kind of like hammy or campy with the horror stuff in a way that like isn't always the tonal case with with um, other kinds of stories. But I think a good comic editor, at least from what I've been learning and trying to dig into, is paying attention to those is paying attention to those things and, you know, constantly thinking about them. And as a writer as well, because I've been trying to do more comic writing myself is being like, okay, I have, so for example, I'm trying to write a single issue and I would like a character to die right in the beginning. Um, And I was like, all right, I can do it in two pages because I have my first page is a right, you know, recto page. I turn the page, she could die on that page on the, you know, the uh, verso page to, to flip or I can do it in what was it four pages because it goes right page left right and then there's another flip mm-hmm, right. but then it kind of it really I think it's something that you should always be thinking about and and considering not just in horror but in in all of your writing so that your your you know your reader is landing on these beats like oh my god she, she just died she just right. what the heck like and, and instead of you know like having it having it weirdly be like on a, on a third page and they just like look over and they're like, Oh, she's dead. You know, it's like, it's, it's something special um, to think about when you're, when you're doing it. And then I want, I was thinking about what you said as far as like horror, I think horror is having a moment right now because all of us having lived through the pandemic, it's almost cathartic to see something horrible happening on screen and like processing that anxiety and trauma uh, through like a different outlet. And we see horror kind of have these waves as, as events like that occur and in popularity where everyone is sort of looking for that, that outlet. I only recently got into horror maybe in like the past two years, one year, something like that. Cause I'm a yeah, big, same, I'm a same. I think it's been about, it's probably been about five years from me. I never used to really be into horror, but yeah, it definitely seems like it's been on the rise. And I totally think of it as uh kind of an escape, right? Like, yeah, we lived through the pandemic. Things could always be worse. Let me read this horror comic. Yeah. See, things could be worse. But the other part of it is just, man, the world's a scarier place now. So in a way. Right. And the final girl for me is important because it's about surviving and overcoming challenges right. yeah. and, and making it through things that are hard um, and coming out like victorious on the other end. There's always a part of you like, yeah, like she did hard things. I can do hard things. Like I'm going to go kick ass in my next, whatever it is I'm doing, because you know, 
I didn't have to fight somebody with a chainsaw, but I can sure send that email or, or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You're right. Um, well, we, uh, obviously it's a very large project uh, with 17 stories, as I mentioned. Uh, I'll take the opportunity, everybody, to remind you, as I always do, that maybe you love horror, maybe this sounds right up your alley, but you just don't have the means right now. You're not able to, to join the campaign and, and be part of it. The other way you can help out Cass and all the other creators that are involved in this is to share it. Share it on social media, get the word out, make sure everybody that wants to uh, pledge has uh, a chance to. As recording this, there's about two weeks left. It is fully funded on Zoop, so it's one of those situations where uh, you're going to get it. If you pledge, you're going to get it for sure. So, yeah, other than than joining the campaign and getting a, a copy for yourself so you can enjoy it, let's get the word out and make sure everybody that wants to join the campaign uh, has the chance to. Now, that being said, Cass, it sounds like uh, kind of from context what you're saying uh, that it's it's pretty much completed. Like, what's the timing going to be like in terms of when the campaign's over? Is it going to go right to the printer? Are you still waiting for people to, to finish up stories? Where are we at in, in terms of production? Production is almost done. I was actually finalizing some pages right before we hopped on to talk to each other. There is one dash hanging in the way of, of checking it off and saying that we are we are complete. So I'm waiting for that one final file and then everything will be with the layout. Um, person. And hopefully by the time that the campaign ends on November 9th, we will have the final file to send to printer, which is pretty exciting. Great. Fantastic. So uh, we won't have to wait long, uh, you know, as long as it takes to print and then ship, obviously. Uh, can you let our listeners know, obviously there's um, the actual um, digital of the uh, anthology, there's hardcover or, or uh, the, the the physical copy. What else are uh, you offering? What are some of the other tiers? Uh, I saw there was a retailer one, I think. So uh, give everybody an idea of what some of the rewards are that they can. Uh, that they yeah, get. you can get the PDF. You can get three different kinds of covers that we have available. You can choose all three if you can't make up your mind, which has been the case many, many of the time I've seen online, which is really special and cool. Uh, you can also grab a poster. Um, designed by the lovely Carly AF. It has all of the characters on it. So if you want a memento uh, featuring all of them, you can grab that. And we also have a sticker sheet um, with some of the evil ladies on it. We did have some editorial spots open with myself and Heather Antos. And if there's enough clamor, maybe I'll I'll do another one. Um, but yeah, those are those are the options right now. Yeah, and I I can definitely vouch for. Uh, I know Heather; she's a fantastic editor. I'm I'm sure you're very good as well. Uh, certainly, you've taken on a master project here. So, yeah, everybody, uh, it's if you're aspiring creator. You want some feedback? You know, it's those are uh, great opportunities that you uh, that you don't always get. So, uh, as we're winding down here, Cass, um, first of all, congratulations on being fully funded. That's amazing. Um, and I want to give you a chance to. Um, let our listeners know anything else that uh, that you would like them to know. But uh, before we get to that, I, I do want to ask you what made you decide to do this as uh, on Zoop? What made you decide to do crowdfunding rather than go through a, a traditional um, a publisher? Did you just want to kind of remove that barrier and and kind of have the feel of you know building a community around this, or was it mm -hmm. something else in terms of hey, I know Zoop handles all the logistics. I, I've got my plate full with, you know, this huge project from an editorial standpoint. Like, give us an idea of what went into the uh, decision to do it crowdfunded and specifically with Zoop. Sure, of course. For me, this project was about trying my hand at comics and kind of seeing if I could if I could do it and cut my teeth on it. And 
the answer is that yes, I can, I can do it. And it was about like making connections with the artist and writer communities and being able to have those connections when I go to seek out doing full pub with, you know, a traditional publisher or seeking out employment somewhere and having those relationships and connections. So if you're thinking that you want to get into comics, it was a great way to form those relationships and kind of prove, you know, prove yourself. Yeah. And you'll have that awesome anthology when you go. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. Right on your portfolio. (laughs) Like, look, I did do the thing. You don't have to take my word for it here in, in the flesh. And you know, if they don't like it, I, that's something completely else. But, right. you know, that you did do it and you funded and you managed to pull all these people together and make something that seems to be exciting for everyone is definitely a feather in your cap as far as like resumes and applications and whatnot go. So that's that's sort of on a more personal level um, for Zoop. Yeah, I wanted to work with them because they handle printing and distribution. And as someone who is in publishing as for my day-to-day job, I knew how much extra work and time and effort would go into that process. And I really didn't want to have like 1500 copies of Letter Be Evil in my house <laughs> and um, and be shipping those out one by one and crying as I, you know, lick postage or whatever. Uh, so, so I, that was a huge boon to me um, is that they would handle that process as well as their promise to reach out to um, media outlets and things on your behalf. I think having that little extra professional layer helps you, helps you land things as far as, you know, talking to people like yourself, um, and to give you like a little bit, you know, more, more gilded (laughs) professionalism um, when you're coming out. So yeah, those, those two things were mostly why I decided to go with Zoop and, you know, um, Jordan and Eric have been fabulous to work with. So yeah, they're they're great. The whole idea of soup is is amazing. I love it because uh, again, it, I mean, even setting aside the the fact that it lets you concentrate on what you're going to do, whether you're a creator and you're doing it, and you can focus on creating, whether you're an editor and you can focus on you know the things that you need to do and keeping everybody on track, and not you know we don't we want you doing that, not worrying about boxing stuff up and and shipping it right. There's only so right. Many- it's a whole another project on top of a project, and yeah. I'm already very tired. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah, it's definitely great to be like, all right, I can hand over the final file. All I have to worry about is if the printer has an issue or a broken you know file or something right. And then uh, I can be done and, you know, everyone can get the book and and be happy. But there there is that other aspect to it as well, which is the community aspect that Zoop is building. Mm-hmm. People know to go to Zoop to, hey, what's new this week? And you get on the newsletter and, and that sort of thing. So that, you know, that's the added bonus as well. It kind of goes hand in hand what you were saying before about building connections and building contacts. Uh, it's a small industry. I think people don't realize, especially uh, people that are just casual readers, um, they don't realize how small it is. And, you know, everybody kind of knows everybody at some point once you get into it and uh, you can really get a feeling of, of belonging and get a little bit of the behind the scenes when you're um, cutting out that big publisher middleman, so to speak. So that's a, right. another benefit for sure. Yeah, the collaborative spirit, I think, really enhances that interconnectedness because you're going to work with a lot of people and then therefore they know a lot of people and it sort of makes this web that is actually like a lot tighter uh, than like you said, than people realize. And I really enjoy that um, community. Everyone has been super helpful and knowledgeable and willing to give me their time. And, you know, if I had any questions about anything and it's been pretty lovely. 
Fantastic. Well, congratulations, uh, first of all, on pretty much finishing this incredible uh, project. Sounds like a ton of work, like I said, uh, but also on funding. You're, you're fully funding. In fact, you're, uh, as as we're talking to everybody, let me give you the numbers. So uh, of a $10,000 goal, we're at 18245 So almost double. That's amazing, especially for uh, a project of this size and uh, for your first one out of the gate. Um, but I'll give you a chance as we're winding down here. Anything else you want to let our listeners know? Uh, anything to to tell us? Uh, the floor is yours. Sure. Two things. The more money we raise, the more money goes to the creators. So don't give up just because we've we funded. We can keep going, and I'm I'm trying to keep the hoorah, you know, high. The other thing is write complex, badass female characters. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that we're going to end on that note. Yeah. Um. I there's. And I tell people all the time that it's because I hear it sometimes, oh, well, God, why does it always have to be female and not if males? I'm like, you know what? For a long time, the pendulum was over here. And if it swings too far the other way for a little while, that's fucking okay. It'll come back to the middle. But my God, can we, you know, can we just have per- some perspective here? Uh, so, yeah, amazing. I can't wait to check it out. I can't wait to read about these badass evil uh, females that are probably going to scare the the dickens out of me. So uh, again, Cass, fantastic job. Congratulations on a successful campaign. And thanks for taking the time to uh, to chat with me. Of course. Thank you so much. Uh, and to all you listeners, don't forget, link in the show notes. You can go check out the campaign. Take a few minutes. Uh, go see it if it's for you. And if it's not, like I said, just share it out on social media. Let's get as many eyes on this as possible so we can, uh, you know, get as much money in the hands of the creators as possible. And, you know, maybe even get a head start on the next anthology that cast does. So uh, thanks to you all for listening and for joining as always. And we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.